Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about Milo or grain sorghum production. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's happening in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. It's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so let's start with this. The we are kind of known as the weed of the week guys so we're talking weeds most of the time or very often at least on the show so when it comes to weed control in grain sorghum or milo i guess i'd just say it's fairly similar to corn which i mean when you look at it especially when the plant's small it looks an awful lot like corn so it's many of the corn herbicides that we discuss um obviously you have to have safened or use a safener on your grain sorghum so we always used to talk about concept treated but uh, whatever safener you've got that's great and then you can use these group 15 type products like outlook that's uh, one of the most popular ones outlook or dual and then verdict i really like the verdict and here's why a lot of times Yes, we're dealing with grass issues, and, and quite frankly, I'd like to have you take Verdict, which is a combination of Outlook and Sharpen, and spike in a little more Outlook so you get up to the full rate of that Group 15 Outlook. But anyway, I like having that Sharpen in there because it's really good on things like kochia and Palmer and water hemp, as well as lamb's quarters and a number of other broadleaf weeds that milo producers are going to fight on a regular basis. So then you've got most of the weeds taken care of up front. And here's part of the reason why I like that, because post-emerge, if let's say you wanted to use Old Banville or Clarity, you can only use 8 ounces. You can't use 16. So you're, you're stuck with a half rate there, and sure, you can throw a little bit of atrazine with it, but it's not the best. You can absolutely use Buctrol if you want. Um, but then the other thing would be Husky FX, and that's really my preferred way to go. Now, granted, if you have HPPD resistance, you got a problem, but um, Husky FX, it's got an HPPD, it's got Buctrol, and it's got Starane, or at least the actives from all those products. So anyway, if I had my choice, if I wanted like the very best possible program, I'd start with Vertix, Spike, and Lil Outlook. Then I'd come later with Husky FX, and very worst case scenario, if I had to spray some more grass, I, you've always got Facet L. So that's the same thing as the old Paramount. And so anyway, that's probably what I would do. In terms of that grass, uh, grass is just such a big issue when you're in a dry area, which most uh, a lot of Milo production is, and when you're in a grass crop like Milo. Same thing in corn. If you've got grass in there, oh man, it is just a killer on yield. And it's worse when you have dry weather because now it's sucking water away in addition to the nutrients and it's really hurting that crop. So anyway, I'd just suggest starting with a really good herbicide program and then at least you should be in pretty good shape. And after that, obviously, you've got to do, you've got to scout for insects. You've got to consider at least spraying for fungus spraying a fungicide for disease if you've got let's say a wetter year or you're concerned about particular diseases and 
beyond that, it's just a lot of the same stuff we're going to talk about in any other crop. It's having good drainage. It's having the right soil pH. It's making sure that you've got ample and available nutrients there at all times during the growing season. And here's one other thing that I'll throw in with that fertility point. If you think about this for just a second, if I, it, I just said a minute ago, a lot of the, a lot of the milo production is in drier areas. Well, I don't care what crop you're raising in a drier area. Think about the soil and where does it dry out? It's going to dry out in the top inch or two first. So if a lot of your fertility is in the top one, two, three inches, that's a problem when you're super dry. So placing the fertilizer down a little bit deeper very often can be helpful in those drier years. Because like I always say, when it comes to the, the drought situation and, and getting fertility into the crop, I just want you to think about this. Let's put it in human terms. Let's say that for the rest of the day, and maybe even the rest of this week, all you're going to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner is water. You're probably not going to be real happy. You're going to be pretty darn ornery even within just the next, in the next couple of days, right? Well, think about your plant. It's the same kind of thing. If there's water down deeper in the ground and that plant's getting the water, well, that's nice to talk about, but your plant's starving. It needs fertility. So if you can get some of that fertility down deeper where the water is, so in the dry years, it can go down and get the water and the nutrients, now you're going to have a lot better crop. And if you don't believe that, just try it on a small scale and put some fertility down deep and do it not just one time, but do it for over a, let's say, three or four year period, year after year, and just see as you build up that deeper soil profile, the odds are very high. Anytime you have a dry year, you're going to end up with more yield. So just something for you to think about when it comes to milo production. Um, other than that, with milo, I don't know that there's anything super special with milo that we would say beyond most any other crop. Uh, we already talked about weeds, insects, diseases, drainage, fertility. Um, I, I guess I'd come back to soil pH because I did mention that. And when we're talking about soil pH, different crops, I'm not even going to say necessarily prefer a pH or another, but they thrive uh, they can thrive in a, a more of a range of pHs. So I, I would say Milo is pretty good for that. It can be, the soil pH can be in the 7s, the soil pH can be in the 6s and you're fine, but when you start getting that soil pH down into the 4s, uh, now that's a real problem. Even in the 5s, it's not the best. It, it it's 6s is kind of where we want to be, if not even low 7s. Uh, but sixes is probably where you're going to max everything out, where you have the best availability for nutrients, your soil life is the best. So I'm shooting for soil pH in the sixes if it's me. All right, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag a little bit later in the show today. But first, we're going to go to the phone lines right after this. Stay tuned, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking a little Milo or sorghum production here on today's show, and taking your calls and questions too at 844 44 Ag PhD. I uh, got a busy farmer out in Maryland up next. It's Temple Rhodes, uh, also works with the Extreme Ag Group. I don't know how you have time for all that, Temple. You know what? You actually you make a good point. I don't know either. It's getting really tough. <laughs> All right. So you guys done with beans yet, or how are you coming? No, we're in beans now. We're done with corn, but we're in beans now, and then uh, we'll go to Milo last, I guess. Okay. So we're going whatever. Depends yeah. on where you are. Yep, yep, exactly. How's it looking? I guess what kind of crops are you guys getting out there? It's, um, you know, corn was really good. Beans were good. We haven't gotten into the Milo yet. Um, actually, I was going to ask you this question. So, you know, everybody uh, talks to, you know, about the Milo and, the, you know, depending on where you are, some guys desiccate Milo, some guys don't desiccate Milo. Um, we were at the point this week where we, this is double crop Milo that I grow, right? So it's behind wheat. We take our wheat off. And then we plant our milo behind it. And, I mean, it is a massive amount of biomass. It looks terrific. looks fantastic. Um, we followed a pretty good story with Extreme Ag this year with it, and we've had a lot of influence with it. And it's it's a – I guess it's really a diverse crop. You know, it's it's – I'm not going to say it's easy to grow. I treated it like corn. I mean, there was a lot of things that I had to change up about the way – I looked at it um, because when we planted it, it was planted with a 15-inch planter. We didn't put starter on it. We didn't put an infer program on it, much like we do, did with corn, you know, because everybody said, oh, treat it like corn, treat it like corn, treat it like corn. Well, we didn't get to do that. So we, we figured out a way to kind of overcome all of those hurdles, and it looks tremendous. And I fed it mostly with a with liquid fertility for the most part. Um, there was enough potassium in our soil to grow the crop um, from the from the previous crop. 
But the only part that I didn't really know is like whether to desiccate or whether not to desiccate. You know, we're a couple of days away from, we got like a little bit of a frost here and there, you know, depending on the area. Um, but we're really, it's, it's really like right there at the time where I really want to desiccate it, but I'm not really sure about it. Like, what's your opinion? I, I know that you, I'm supposed to be giving my opinion, but I kind of need an opinion here. Well, uh, I, I guess, Temple, when you're talking to me, um, I am a big anti-desiccant kind of guy. So I would just Brian, assume Brian also has the uh, the benefit of we've got a nice hard frost coming in later this we week. We do, <laughs> but in, no. In all seriousness, though, my my problem is I just don't think I can do a good job, and that's really what it comes back to. Because when you desiccate too early, you end up hurting the crop, and that's what I worry about. If the crop's not completely finished, it's going to get damaged, and then I'm going to hurt my test weight or and or yield. And so I don't care what crop it is we're talking about. That's always my fear that I am not going to do a great job because we have really variable soils. And so there will be areas in fields that are going to finish way earlier than other areas. And so that's where guys around us will always say, boy, I hope I get a frost. Or maybe I should go out and desiccate in this one area. And I'm just like, man, if I can let it grow for another week or whatever, I think I'm going to have better test weight and better yield. So as much as I can... I, I prefer to spend no money, let it finish naturally, and generally speaking, I'm going to be better off. So, yeah, if, if you're up against weather or something like that, I totally get it. And sometimes we, are, we have to make choices that we don't want to make. And so I could see where you might have to desiccate something, but I'm going to, I'm going to opt for no unless I absolutely have to. Well, I'm kind of agreeing with you on that. You know, um, the only time that we really desiccate like soybeans um, would be like around the edges of the woods or on a headland or in a bottom or whatever, where the entire crop is at, you know, 11%, you know, yep. we're, we're afraid they're going to start popping out of the pod. Yep. But with the, with the sorghum or milo, the problem is, is what my worry is, is like different parts of that head, even every head that's in the field, it's at different variations. It's all not ready at the same time. And I'm really afraid I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to make damage there. Yeah. I'm going to have an adverse reaction. And that's been my whole problem. So I'm kind of, I'm like you, I'm like, I'm really hoping for a hard frost. We got a little frost here and there. Uh, last night and I'm really like just give me a good frost and I'm good I, I that's where I'm at now. yep but see the frost that's my point here is the frost is going to do the same damage that the desiccant is going to do and that's the reason why I just as soon have no frost not desiccate and it, it, but you know I, again if you have to you have to and if nothing else you certainly could desiccate a little bit leave some of the rest and then just see if you are seeing difference in test weight and yield and then you know you kind of got it right yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to agree with that. But it, it it looks really well. I'm really, really pleased with it. Um, we're going to see how we make out with it. You know, we've never double cropped behind wheat before, but uh, for double cropping behind wheat, I just can't believe the way this crop looks. I'm just, I'm ecstatic about it. It's it's a massive amount of biomass. And, you know, a lot of the, the liquid or, you know, foliar nutrition that we put on it, I felt like foliar nutrition this week, this year on Milo worked very, it worked better in my opinion than it does on corn and on soybeans sometimes. You know, you get those ups and downs, yes, it worked, no, it didn't work, you know, all those things. But it seemed like with Milo, 
it's such a massive amount of biomass that it just really it really likes that foliar nutrition i mean you go to spray something on there and then immediately within a couple of days you start taking tissue samples and you actually can see where you've made that change and i i mean i'm thrilled with it i i, I really kind of like this new program that we're going with yeah, it's really fun when you do things and they actually work out. There's so many things on the farm that you do and you kind of scratch your head about. So, you know, I get you uh, what you're saying there when you've got that, that shorter crop, you're getting excellent coverage across the crop, not like a 12-foot-tall corn plant where you wonder uh, how far down that plant you're going to be able to reach and those types of things. Uh, I like it. I like it. It's uh, It gives you a lot of hope, and I think a lot of these crops that we talk about that aren't corn, soybeans, or wheat – they can be quite responsive to a lot of the different management practices that we do. Temple, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing what you're doing. I know you're super busy, but but people really do appreciate uh, all the sharing that you do and all the information that you give to other people and, and the hope that you give them too. So thanks for that. Stay safe during the rest of harvest, and hopefully it turns out great. We will. Thanks so much. You bet. Got Terry over in Colorado on next. How you doing, Terry? Pretty good. How are you doing? Pretty good. You guys catching any rain yet, or you guys just been dry, dry, dry too? Uh, we had good rain uh, April, May, and into June. We haven't had any rain since July. Oh. Yeah, that is a tough deal. That is a tough deal. Okay, we're talking milo or sorghum today. So if you weren't going to catch those rains later, uh, sorghum got about as good a chance as anything. As a matter of fact, it does. Uh, we rode off wheat this year, and then once we did that, we went out and planted uh, sweet sorghum in it. And uh, the rains came, and they both they both did real well. Uh, so it was a good thing we had the uh, fertilizer and stuff in there when you did. But uh, the problem with with it now is having with it having as turned off as dry as it has. Uh, we're going to have to wait for a freeze before we can try feeding it to the cows. Well, it sounds like that freeze is coming here later this week. How about for you? Uh, it's supposed to get cool, but we got no freezes on the horizon. Uh, we've had two days where it got down to 24, but we haven't had anything yet that held on long enough that it would actually kill this stuff. And, uh, prevent the uh, acid formation. Yeah, there's always little tricks like that. And for, for anybody listening uh, to what Terry's saying here, uh, pay attention to that in terms of when it's going to be safe to feed that sorghum. Because, yeah, like you say, you don't want to take, you don't want to do that at the wrong, harvest at the wrong time and, and have that problem with the livestock because it's certainly, certainly not worth that. Hey, Terry, we're up against a break. If you want to chat a little more, hang on. We, we can talk to you right after the break here, too. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about milo or sorghum production on today's program. If you want to discuss that or if you just have any agronomic question, we're happy to talk to you. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. 
Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its cornhead should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago cornheads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting deck plates save kernels, longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other cornhead works like a Drago or pays you back like one. Get the best deals of the season through December 15th. Learn more at dragooffers.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're talking about Milo or sorghum production on today's program and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And just before the break, we're talking to Terry out in Colorado about, man, you got to be careful uh, with sorghum and you should be testing it to see uh, what the nitrate levels are, what the what the acid levels are, or you could run into some problems. Terry, I understand uh, you, have, you have kind of an unfortunate story about that. Um, yeah, uh, about two years ago, there was a feller that lives north of me, and uh, he went out and rolled out a bale for his cows, got up the next morning, and he had 35 dead ones. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that, that uh, that's a wake-up call. Yeah, it is. I know I'd hate to do that, but one of the, it's something we deal with a lot here because it always turns off so dry late summer and early fall. Uh, you can continue to use this stuff, but you have to mix it up a lot with other things like alfalfa or, or grass, something like that to cut down on the on the intake if, it, if it's a problem. 
Yeah, prussic acid can be, Brian's feeding That's me a it. little information here. Um, you know, one thing too, Terry, I'd heard a rumor, and I'm not sure if this is true, that you've uh, had alfalfa with sorghum uh, planted together. Is that is that something, or are you just talking about yeah, feeding Yeah, we did that a couple of years ago. Uh, we tried The first time we tried planting the alfalfa out there, we did it with uh, oats as a nurse crop, and it didn't take. So the following year, we tried it with uh, uh, with the sorghum, uh, the sweet sorghum, uh, as a nurse crop, and that one made. Huh. I wouldn't have thought it would have worked. Yeah, Pop said give it a try, so we did. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the fun thing about being your own boss. If you want to, you know, you can just just give stuff a try, and sometimes it works <laughs> great, and other times you can just t till it under or burn it off if you need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get a bad one. You get like, oh shoot. So what do you guys shoot so, for uh, when when in terms of yield? What what are you normally looking for with when you plant sorghum? <clears throat> Uh, well, what we'd like to see is, is three tons to the acre, but that is providing the, the moisture holes up. Yep. But if it doesn't, a lot of times we're only getting, uh, oh gosh, maybe a ton to the acre. Yeah. Yeah. That rainfall makes a huge difference. We, we've been short here the last three and a half years or so, and just waiting for that tide to turn and, and everything to start over again. But like you were saying, to start things off, uh, it's sort of a pretty good crop as far as hanging in there as, as long as anything's going to on a year like this. Hey, Terry, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. Thanks for sharing the stories, too. Uh, you're welcome. Have a good one. You, too. Let's head down to Kansas. We've got Brett down with us right now out, out in the field as well. How are you doing, Brett? Doing good. How are you guys? Good. Good. You out getting some corn today? We are. We're picking some corn. How's how's that turning out for you? Are you doing irrigated stuff or, or dryland stuff? Uh, so we're on irrigated right now. Um, we had a pretty tough year down here. Um, it was real dry early, and then it took off raining in July. Well, every single rainstorm had hail with it, so we've got some fields that got hailed five different times on the same field. So it's it's more than to be desired, I guess you could say, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that stinks. Yeah, there's not too much you can do about hail. Like, like I say, irrigation. Hey, you can make the rain, but uh, when it when it comes in the solid form, that's that's no fun at all. It's kind of nice just to have it off the have those fields out and not have to look at them again. Yep, yep. How about sorghum down your way this year? Uh, I, I know you had the hail, and the timing probably didn't work for that at all. But uh, what do you think about sorghum as a crop? Are, you, are guys moving more towards corn, or is sorghum still going to be a big big crop for your area so in our area it kind of seems like with the dryland corn genetics a lot of guys are slowly starting to move away from milo and go to more dryland corn but there still is a fair amount of acres planted around yep and is the the milo all for grain is some going in for for uh, some sort of silage or are there any other uses there is a little bit of guys that'll do uh you know, sorghum silage to the feed yards or stuff like that, but 95% probably is solely for grain. Okay, so we were talking with Temple Rhodes earlier, and he said he started off kind of looking at his corn program, but but then made a bunch of tweaks uh, as he learned more about raising Milo. Uh, how would you how would you kind of compare those two crops, Brett? 
honestly, for our farm, we don't do anything different. We use the same herbicides. Um, really, the only thing different is the seed. I mean, that's the only thing we personally change on our farm. We fertilize them the same chemical program. We treat them the same, mostly because we got uh, mad Palmer amaranth. So we just got to put a good herbicide program out. So we don't really skimp. I mean, I guess you wouldn't spray Roundup on anything, but uh, other than that, pretty much everything is the same for us. Yep. Have you changed anything now that Palmer's been such a big player here the last number of years uh, with row spacing or population or or just anything to try to, to shade it out quicker? The only thing we've really done is just get a bunch of overlapping residuals. That's the only way we can do it, just kill it before it even comes up. So, I mean, we'll, uh, on a typical growing season, we'll apply three different phases of residual products throughout the year from spring till, you know, canopy stage. That's awesome. I like that. Uh, how about, you know, other things in the crop, like in corn, we, we hear a lot about fungicide use. Um, is there is there a big fungicide program that goes into sorghum, or, or does it take care of itself pretty well? Um, you know, there are some guys that are running fungicides. We run fungicide on our Milo. Um, we just run like a Quilt XL, a generic, something like that. We run it right when it's in the boot to heading stage. Um, but there are, for the most part, just because in a dryland scenario, a lot of guys don't want to spend the money on it. Um, so they just don't, they just forego a fungicide. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to think about uh, Milo questions for you. What, what don't we know about Milo that you'd say, oh, man, there, there's just this simple little key, Darren, and you could raise tremendous Milo on your farm. <laughs> uh, let me think about that. The one, the one thing for our area, mostly it's because it's a water-limited environment, I feel that a lot of guys plant it too thick, and then it lodges and falls over, and then you got to go pick it up off the ground. So we, we usually try and stay on the lighter side of a planting population. For us, um, in a normal year, we'll plant 35,000 plants per acre. If it's real wet and we got a full profile of subsoil, we'll go to 42,000 plants per acre. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, there's always some little tips and tricks, and, and uh, I know on, on corn we certainly vary our population depending on where we're at out in fields, and it's kind of just kind of interesting to hear what the ranges are. So with with yields, if you had a great year, what what's like the top guys have ever had kind of in your part of Kansas for yield? So uh, the best that I have ever personally done, one, it was I think it was the year of 09. It was cool. It rained a lot. Um, I had 188 bushel an acre dry land mile. That's wow. the best I've ever done. Um, a lot of times, uh, I've got a neighbor down here. He's really, really phenomenal at growing Milo. Um, four years in a row, he's had experimental varieties in his test plots go over 200 bushel an acre. Um, but, you know, it's got to rain for that. Uh, in our area, a great Milo crop would be like 140, 150. Yeah, two hundred would be would be awesome. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. fun just hearing what what guys have done. And like you say, sometimes hey, it's just in a test plot, or it's just where we got some rain, those kinds of things. But it lets you know what's possible out there, and and gives you some hope that man, if everything goes right, I could potentially get there someday. Hey, Brett, I yep. know you're super busy. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck here on the corn harvest, and stay safe. Sounds good. Thanks. Yeah, I like I like looking at some of those different factors. Like Brett was talking about varying that population depending on where you're at. If you got a full profile of of water, 
uh, in dryland farming that makes such a big difference. We've got some heavier dirt here too, and I totally agree with him that uh, there's some years where we're fully charged and we've got a great shot at at yield. And there's other years like this past year where we went into it and we didn't have anything in the profile, and it looked like another dry year coming. We were hoping it wasn't, but that's how it turned out to be. And some of that ground, that that uh, river bottom ground for us, still did pretty good. It actually was was really impressive for for those fields. So just a couple things to think about there as, as we're talking about Milo on today's program. If you've got other agronomic questions, you can sure give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from FarmShop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com.
Talking Milo on today's program and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD here in the Morton studio. Got Dan down in Kansas out harvesting some Milo right now. How's it going, Dan? Uh, going pretty good. How are you all today? Good, good. I'm hoping you didn't get as much hail as Brett did. <laughs> we were talking to him. He said, man, they had some ground that got hail five times this year. Uh, how, how's the Milo in your area? You know, it's it's surprisingly better than we expected for the amount of dry weather that we've had. So uh, we did have a little bit of hail this summer that got uh, took most of our wheat crop and, and hurt our corn crop pretty good. But the sorghum was, you know, in early enough stages at that point that uh, didn't hurt it too bad. So. Well, that's good. Something to be thankful for. And, and yeah, you're right. The different stage that crops are at makes them more or less sensitive. We get a lot of non-farm listeners. And sometimes when you say something like that, we got to explain just a little bit. And, and yes, if we've got a grass crop that's in its early stages, it can, it can handle a little hail, doesn't want it, but uh, at least it just knocks off a few leaves, doesn't really knock off the head or the ear on a corn plant, that kind of thing. Uh, so glad glad it's it's going fairly well. How how close to the end are you? Are you got a long ways to go on harvest? Oh, we've got a ways to go uh, yet. Uh, sorghum being our last crop that we harvest, so I'd say we're about fifty percent done. I'd say area wide uh, harvest is quite a bit ahead of schedule. I'd say maybe seventy seventy five percent of the of the milo is already out of the field. So. Since it's been so dry, the crop dried down really, really well, and uh, we didn't have to wait on a, a freeze uh, to get it uh, to a harvestable moisture. Talk to us a little about what happens to the milo after harvest. Does it head right to town? Does it head to a processor? Is it getting exported? Where's this year's crop heading? Well, yeah, I guess on a local level, uh, restraint from the field here, you know, western, our part of western Kansas doesn't have a ton of uh on-farm storage so a lot of that goes directly to an elevator but uh, nationwide we're still exporting a lot of that crop uh, overseas quite a bit of it's still going to china um, also in this area we've got a lot going to our ethanol plants so uh, kind of a kind of a diversified crop that's that's going to many end uses yeah with the ethanol plants do they run just milo do they run milo and corn do they have to do one at a time how, how does that work yeah, they, they can run blends as well. Um, it just depends on the, you know, the chemistry going into into the mix. So, um, you know, those ethanol plants are, are good at pushing the pencil, and they'll figure out what, uh, you know, what's going to be the most profitable for them. So it uh, just depends on where your basis levels are and, and what, uh, what crops can provide the profitability. Now, in the cropping plans for farmers in your area in western Kansas, is sorghum always in the mix? Is sorghum going up where it's taking more acres? Uh, is it less acres uh, the next couple of years here? Or what, what's happening? What are the trends? Well, I, I think sorghum acres are going to continue to hold at least steady to maybe a little higher. Uh, right now we're seeing about a 20 to 30 cent basis advantage over corn. Uh, in the local area here, um, and of course, dry weather, uh, you know, the continuing drought is always going to add to sorghum acres over other crops just due to its uh, drought, natural drought resistance. So uh, I foresee I, I more sorghum acres in, in western Kansas as we move forward, uh, at least to the near future. Yep. So what's your plan? You still get a little ways to go on harvest here. Do you do fertility in your part of Kansas or does that wait till spring? Uh, yeah, everything's going to wait until spring. Uh, 
obviously we're in a, in a pretty severe drought at the moment. Um, not a not a sprig of weed has emerged yet. Uh, so, you know, of course, top grass on the wheat's going to wait uh, until then. And, uh, you know, definitely all of our row crop acres is going to wait uh, until spring. Very, very little fall apart. Yeah, it's pretty hard when you're not catching rain to have a lot of faith that next year's going to turn out exactly how you think. It's kind of nice to have a little bit of time there to wait and see what happens first. Uh, did you guys get a big snowfall year last year like we did? I know we did it, and I think I contribute you know, a lot of attribute a lot of that to to our wheat crop. Uh, you know, wheat crop was poor at best, and and then had a hailstorm, so we uh, we harvested about. Oh, I'd say less than less than two percent of our wheat acres here, uh, and I'd say around the area probably over fifty percent abandonment uh, on winter wheat acres. Well, hopefully, if if there's snow this year, you guys can have it, Dan. <laughs> I've had enough last year. <laughs> We'd love to share to share that with you guys. Yeah, we're just praying for rain for you. That that stinks. We've been dry up here too, but not not as dry as you guys have been. That's tough. Yep, we'll take every take everything you send us. You bet. Well, thanks, Dan. Really appreciate it, and stay safe this harvest season. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Let's head out to Colorado. Got Rodney on with us right now. Wants to talk a little about Milo and and some of the crop protection programs. How you doing, Rodney? Well, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Uh, I really don't know where to start. We had everything right that absolutely turned out wrong last spring. Uh, do I mention the chemicals that we used? Uh, sure. Is that okay? Well, uh, I asked about verdict last winter, spring, and the uh, advisors around here said absolutely not. It will not work here. And I never got an answer why. So we went to full-time, and they say put that on post-plant. Our ground was clean. We put on a two-and-a-half-quart rate, and lo and behold, the next day we got two-and-a-half-inch rain, and our milo come up beautiful. I come back about three days later, and it was dead. And uh, we didn't know what to blame it on, so we finally decided the full-time must have washed into the seed and couldn't metabolize it and killed it. So... That's the first of our problems. Second of all this year, I used to raise a lot of Milo back in the 80s and had never a worry about test weight. And doggone if we aren't down in the 50-pound range this harvest, and we're all kind of puzzled what caused the light test weight. So I'll let you talk on what I've presented so far. Okay, so yeah, with with full time, I, 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 all right. So let's step back just a second. What was in this crop or in this field the year before? Give us a little history here, if you would. Okay, the history was it was one of our quarters was in wheat stubble. Yep. The other quarter was in uh, drought milo the year before. It didn't make a crop. So we come back in with Milo again because we did have a large amount of snow last winter. Yep. And our soil profile was a full four foot and better. I felt pretty confident. Sure. But uh, 
everything went against us. Okay, so you didn't see. So I'm just trying to figure out if it's actually the full time. So you didn't see any difference from where you had wheat to where you had no crop the year before. In both cases, all the milo died. In the milo stubble, it all died. In the wheat stubble, it it come out of it a little bit, but it was still stunted. Okay, so can I assume that in the wheat stubble, uh, you would have had more residue out there compared to where you had no crop the year before? Yes, no and, doubt. All right, and how yep. did how did the full time get applied? Uh, ground rig. Okay. Uh, with water or with planted. fertilizer? Uh, water. Okay. And when was that done in relation to the, the sorghum planting? Uh, the, the following day. Okay, next it day. just perfect conditions. Yep. All right. And do you by chance remember the rate that you used? And I know uh, that. Full time? Yes. Two and a half quart. Okay. All right. I'll tell you what, Rodney. Um, we're, we're up against a break here, but if you can hang on with us, we want to talk about this with you a little bit more. And just hopefully come come up with some answers and then what can be done in the future and just talk about this thing a little bit more because, yeah, that's uh, that's incredibly discouraging. I, I, I mean, we've had some issues with crop before, too, where we've uh, severely damaged a crop. We don't ever want that to happen again to anyone else and uh, certainly not to you. So we'll talk about it right after this. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at Farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. Hey, Fred, how's harvest coming? Well, got to take care of my STDs. Your what? <laughs> my soil transmitted disease. Got white mold spreading in my bean fields again. Foliar fungicides alone just aren't cutting it, and I can't seem to get rid of it. Fred, get ahead of the spread. My agronomist highly recommends Contans WG from Sipcam Agro. It's definitely your solution to control white mold at its source. Huh, thanks, Joe. I'm calling my retailer today for Contans WG. It takes balance to be successful in farming. 
Because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio. Today we've been talking a little about grain sorghum or milo production. So right before the break, we're visiting with Rodney from Colorado. And he said that he seeded some milo this spring and then applied full-time. And for the most part, uh, the milo died. Okay, so Rodney we got a couple other questions for you. First of all, it's this. Are we sure that the sorghum was treated with a safener? Because if it's not treated with a safener, that absolutely would do it. Good question. And, yes, we even had the uh, company seed rep out to verify, and we had the seed bags and everything. So, yep, we did verify that. Yep. Darren, what was your question? Well, I was just thinking about if if you had good snowfall, if you had good moisture in the soil, is it possible that the seed trench was open just a little bit? And I was just thinking about different soil conditions in uh, former milo ground versus in the in the wheat ground. Is that a possibility? Good question. And no, it was absolutely. Closed. I was so proud of the way everything went in. Yep. It was just excellent. Yep. All right, so the old full-time was not labeled on Milo. The full-time NXT is labeled on Milo. So I assume that that was also checked, and it is the actual full-time NXT, correct? Correct. Yep. And I'd like to add this. Uh, the company gave us some 88-day maturity Milo to be jumped right in as soon as we figured out it was actually dead. Yep. And as 88-day Milo... And it come up 100% perfect. Yep, yep. yep. So, yeah, I, I mean, our only thing is it's kind of like what you said. You just got so much rain right then. It just, I don't know. That that That's frustrating. That I, I haven't worked with anybody where that's happened. Now, I, I will say we've never used full-time. Uh, full-time is just encapsulated. Uh, same active ingredient as Surpass uh, or Harness. It's acetochlor, uh -huh. so it's encapsulated along with atrazine. And it's a it's a big dose of atrazine. But the atrazine isn't going to hurt anything. I'm not worried about that at all. So it, have we seen in the past where a high rate of a group 15 can ding stuff up? Sure. But generally speaking, the crop comes out of it just fine. Um, and you said you only use two and a half quarts. Now, I guess two and a half quarts is, it's a, it's a pretty decent rate, but that's certainly not the full rate either. So, um, yeah, I, 
it just it seems there a little must surprising. Must be a full rate for here because that's the most they would let us use. Well, yeah, soil type definitely does matter. So, do you do, uh-huh. you, do you have any? So, is this heavier ground, lighter ground? Do you have, by chance know what the cation exchange capacity is? Well, uh, let's see. See, I couldn't tell the yep. exact, but it's not very high. Yeah, and uh, our pH is around that six, seven, six, eight, probably. Sure. Yeah, so pH is fine. Uh, so when you say the CEC is not very high, does that mean it is a little lighter ground? Is there a little bit of sand or anything, or 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 what? What's it like? Well, we just can't get very high CECs in our country. Yep. Even in the heavier ground. So, so. you're you're right in that. Hey, the lighter the soil, the lower rate is recommended, and that is part of the reason why. So these things don't happen. But again, to uh-huh. kill the crop, that just seems awfully extreme compared to what we've we've always seen over the years. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have any better answer for you other than in the future you just have to run with a lower rate. I I, I mean and. Yeah. I, personally, I I like Outlook. A lot of a lot of the farmers we work with like Outlook, so that's what Verdict has. Uh, so that's that's really our preferred product is Outlook or Dual. Uh, I'm not again blaming the full time, but I just maybe that could have been a little bit harder, and maybe it and certainly it's because of the massive rain that you had right after that. So the other way to safen this up a little bit in the future would be applying it, let's say two three weeks ahead of time. Or lightly incorporating it. So, are you no-till? Do you do any tillage? No, we've been no-till for yeah, okay thirty years. All right. Yep. Could so, I ask you though? Yeah, go ahead. Why are they anti? Why are they anti-verdict in this area, part of Northeast Colorado? That's an excellent question. What, I really don't know do why. Yep. I I, I like okay. what's I like supply verdict. been like on verdict. Uh, <laughs> what's point. pricing been like on verdict, Brian? <laughs> Another good point. You know, for dealers, they've had some struggles getting it, yep. and it's been really high priced. Yep. So I'm wondering if that's part of it. That could could be. But in terms of it, it doesn't work in your area, that just seems strange to me. And but you never know. Every agronomist um, has different experiences, and maybe they used some, and for whatever reason, it didn't work very well for them. But that's that's one of my preferred products. But let's just say, okay, so let's play this out a little further. So my and and say, all right, what are we going to do in the future? So if it's me, I'm seriously thinking about number one, switching products; number two, cutting rate; and number three, probably applying a couple weeks in advance of planting, as opposed to right at planting. All those things should help. The reason why we like in advance of planting is you have more chance to get rain, and there isn't such a tremendous concentration right there just after you planted that seed. Now it still could be. I'm not saying there definitely won't be, but you at least give yourself a little bit better chance. And then the other thing is, if you say, okay, well, I'm cutting the rate a little bit, now I may have some weeds come later, yes, you might. And so then you might have to just use something more post-emerge. But, boy, this is, and I'm assuming nothing like this has ever happened to you, because I know it certainly has never happened to anyone I've worked with. No. Yep. Never has. And our killer is the grass. Not the weeds, it's the grass. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Rodney, okay. yeah, I wish I wish I had better answers or, or something where we go, oh, yeah, it's got to be this and problem solved. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like a complicated deal and just a lot of rain there. So, anyway, we want to wish you the best okay. in the future. Thanks a lot for calling in and uh, hope things go a lot better next, next spring for you. Well, we're enthused. So, thanks for your time. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
Let's head out to Georgia. Got Glenn on with us right now to talk a little bit about sorghum. How you doing, Glenn? Hi, Darren. I'm doing fine. You say well, pretty good, pretty good. We were talking uh, to some guys down in Kansas. They said, ah, disease isn't a big issue in the sorghum, but they're kind of experimenting with fungicides. A little different story in Georgia, isn't it? Yeah, we definitely, if we plant sorghum in the summer, we have to spray it. Uh, we have to keep, of course, it's irrigated, too, and that just sets the uh, anthracnose on fire when we irrigate it. But, you know, it needs irrigation on our light soil. You know, we we look at different crops like corn. They've they've done some work on uh, some of these different diseases. They've got a lot more acres, a lot more dollars in research than yeah. than on the sorghum crop. Do you see a big difference with some of the varieties that you got to choose from? Oh yeah, we we have to have a resistant variety as well. You know, we have to have that and the and the fungicide to to make it. Wow. Yep. Yep. You got to use all the tools you got. Yeah. We also have pigweed problems, you know, in the in the summer, just like everywhere does. But we need to keep atrazine. Yeah. Now you mentioned pigweed. I think one of the fun things up here we're we're about to freeze, and they're saying we might even possibly catch some snow this week, Glenn. So our season is done for pigweeds. Are you guys <laughs> still fighting them down there? I mean, are they still green, yeah, and they're sir. still trying to take some yield and go to seed? Yes, sir. They sure are. So it's, it's a long season down here in Georgia. All right. Talk to me about what crops are still in the field. How's how's harvest coming? Well, we're harvesting. Uh, today we're harvesting cotton, peanuts, and sweet corn. And we're planting carrots. So uh, there's a lot of harvesting going on right now, especially in our area. Peanuts and cotton is a big thing. And, there are, and there's both the harvest seasons right now is lapping each other. So, so no sleep. No. no. <laughs> now, now at the same time though, you say you're planting carrots. So talk to me about that crop. When when does that get harvested? We hope to start harvesting. Uh, we 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 should be started in February. We're hoping to start in January, but uh, we should be going in February. So. Interesting. Yeah, it's another advantage to being up here in the cold white north, Glenn. We get a little break. We're not going to be doing anything out in the field here for a few months. We don't. We don't have that. We don't have that. <laughs> well, it keeps you guys out of trouble down there. That's for sure. Hey, Glenn, uh, we get we got to run. I guess we're. I'm hearing the okay. music for the end of the show. But thanks for talking to us and and good luck to you guys down there. All right. You too. Thanks, sir. It's fun to get to talk to, to folks all over and, and certainly focus on some different crops. Today we were talking about milo or sorghum. And you may say, well, hey, you haven't talked about this crop that I'm growing or that crop. If you've got questions, you can always send us an email. It's radio at agphd.com or just give us a call during our show. We're happy to chat with you. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.